I anticipated we would be a little longer uh, in this service, uh, so I tried to write my sermon to be a little shorter, so you know what that means? Absolutely nothing. If you would open your Bibles to Acts chapter 9, we are working our way through Acts chapter by chapter, passage by passage. So Acts chapter 9, beginning with verse 32. Now as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he, he rose, and all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days she became ill and died. When they had watched her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, Please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive, and it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord, and he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. Let's pray together. Almighty God, as we have opened and read your passage, and now as I stand in the pulpit to proclaim it, help me to proclaim it faithfully. Help me, Father, to uh, be useful for those to those who are struggling with the guilt of past sins as I lift up Jesus Christ, as we look at Peter and see the freedom that he had uh, in Christ. I pray that uh, we all would live in that freedom that Jesus Christ died to give us. We ask in His name. Amen. It has been my experience that most people have life-altering regrets. Now, of course, we all have regrets, but what I'm talking about are the things that we have done that were so significant that they acted for us like a fork in the road uh, in our lives. And these types of regrets that are this significant uh, tend to be few in number. Most of us only have one or two of these types of regrets. But because of the significance of these regrets... We often think of them daily. And they shape almost every significant decision that we make. It's funny. It's these very regrets that we most wish that we could leave behind us. 
these same regrets we keep with us. And they take on a controlling influence in our lives. Furthermore, these regrets that we keep with us tend to have a very serious effect on our relationship with God. We might be tempted to believe that God cannot truly love someone who is capable of doing what we've done. Or we might have a hard time believing that God could really forgive a sin that big and that deliberate. If this describes you, I've got some good news for you this morning. God is a God of second chances. When He calls someone to Himself, when He causes them to embrace Jesus Christ by faith, He does not withhold His love. He does not hold our regrets or our past actions against us. When you come to Jesus Christ, He remembers your sins no more. They are cast as far as the east is from the west. How can I be so sure of this? First of all, Romans 8 says that if Jesus Christ died for our sins, then no one, including ourselves, is able to bring the charge against us. And if Jesus died for our sins, then who are we to pick and choose which sins are still unforgiven or which sins are so big that He can't forgive forgive us of them. Of course we know that if Jesus died for us, that He died for all of our sins, all of our past sins, all of our present sins, even all of our future sins that we have yet to commit. But we act. We act like in regard to our greatest regrets or our greatest sins that the guilt of our sins is still attached to us even though He died for them. And that is simply not true. I've got good news for you this morning. The Apostle Peter was a man who was worthy of great regret. However, as you look at his life, as we look at his life this morning in Acts chapter 9, we're going to see a man who is living freed from the burden of guilt, living free from the burden of those regrets. What is more, he lived a life that God used greatly. God used the Apostle Peter to extend His kingdom, to extend His gospel, not only in Jerusalem, but in all Judea, in Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. Again, we think too highly of ourselves if we believe that our past actions somehow exceed Peter's, uh, Simon Peter's sins and disqualify us for use in God's kingdom. Peter was a sinner. And God used him greatly. I know how tempting it is to 
think that you can't be used by God because of your past actions. It simply is not true. Let's quickly review Simon Peter's life prior to the resurrection of Jesus Christ as I build my case for what I've just said. And because we live in a technologically uh, conversant age, I decided to use uh, an outline that used the technological jargon. When one piece of software comes out, it is version 1.0. When the improvement comes out, it is version 2.0 or 2.A1, whatever. Well, we're going to look at Simon or Simon Peter, before the resurrection of Christ. And then we're going to look at Simon Peter, version 2.0. The leading feature of uh, Simon Peter's character is his impetuousness. Peter thought before he acted. I'm sorry. Flip that around. Peter acts before he thinks. I talk before I think, even though that sentence that I just said backwards was written out in full before me. Peter was as was bold, but he was also rash. He was impetuous. This is the leading feature, or the leading edge of his character, and it led to his greatest regrets. Do you remember the instance where the disciples saw Jesus out walking on the water one night while they were rowing across the sea? And they cried out in fear. They thought Jesus was a ghost. But Jesus said, uh, spoke to them as he's walking on the water toward them. He said, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. So then, Simon Peter, being Simon Peter, asked Jesus, asked Jesus if he could come out to him and meet him on the water. And so Jesus said, okay, come ahead. He got out of the boat. He started walking on the water. We don't know how long he walked on the water, whether it was one step or many steps, but he saw the wind that was... Um, that was blowing quite hard around him and he began to be afraid and he began to sink in the water. Jesus had to reach out and grab him. And then Jesus said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? And then there was the time as Jesus was being arrested. Again, Peter's being impetuous. He takes out his sword and he cuts off the ear of Malchus, the high priest's servant. And so Jesus healed Malchus's ear, put his ear back on, and then he rebuked Peter. In our responsive reading this morning, we saw one of the high points in Simon Peter's life. And in the same um, moment, we saw one of the low points in Simon Peter's life. In one breath, he made his confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. But in the very next breath, Jesus, um, he rebuked Jesus sharply, leading Jesus then to liken Peter to Satan. Now this is a pretty serious sin if, if Jesus is likening you to Satan. Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. 
And then most famously, but surely most regrettably, Peter denied Jesus three times before the rooster crowed twice. And to make matters worse, Jesus predicted that Peter would deny him. But instead of, instead of believing Christ's word, Peter rejected Christ's word and responded by saying, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. But we all know what happened. Peter fled from Jesus when he was arrested. But then he followed those who had arrested Jesus. He followed them at a distance. And he snuck into the courtyard of the high priest. But while he was there in the courtyard, he was confronted by a servant girl. And when she confronted him, weren't you one of these people who was with Jesus? He denied that he ever knew Jesus. And then, when he was confronted again, he swore that he did not know Jesus. And then the third time that he was accused of being a follower of Jesus, he began cursing and swearing as he said, I do not know the man. Do you remember how Jesus said in the Gospels, If you deny me before men... I will deny you before my Father in heaven. Simon Peter had indeed committed a serious sin against Jesus. Was Peter then shut out from heaven, uh, shut out from a relationship with God because he had denied uh, Jesus before men? Peter certainly would have been denied a relationship with Jesus had he not repented. But he did repent. And Jesus in his grace restored him. One of the things that uh, I read this week um, that made a lot of sense is the reason why this is such an important uh, passage of Scripture for, for it to be included in the Gospels is because when the Gospels were writ- being written, Christians all over the world were, in, were suffering intense persecution and many of them were tempted to deny Jesus and maybe some of them had. And through Peter... These these Christians are learning that God is a God of second chances. That He receives all who come to Him in faith and repentance, regardless of their sin. Peter did repent. He was restored by our Lord Jesus. In fact, Jesus made Peter to be one to be the leader of the early church. And he gave Simon Peter an exceedingly effective uh, ministry in his preaching, in his shepherding the early church, and in his healing ministry. Over the past weeks and months, we've seen just how effective uh, Simon Peter uh, was as an apostle. Um, and so likewise, we come here to, to Acts chapter 9. And don't think just because I'm reading the scripture now, or referring to it now, that I'm at the beginning of the sermon because I'm actually nearing the end. But here, as uh, Simon Peter 
has had a wide and effective ministry. He's beginning to move out beyond Jerusalem. In fact, we find him here in in Acts 9, verse 32. He's gone down to a a town called Lydda. And there he met a man named Aeneas. Aeneas had been paralyzed for eight years. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And Aeneas, of course, rises and presumably then made his bed. This reminds me of of the time that Jesus um, told the paralytic who had been um, let down through that that hole in the roof that his friends had torn and and lowered this paralytic down on a mat. What did Jesus tell him? Rise and take your bed and go home. Your sins have been forgiven. Peter is, is using almost the same words that Jesus used. Uh, as he heals this paralytic. And then, as word began to spread of of Peter being in Lydda, um, Christians who were in the surrounding towns began to hear of him. And the reason Christians are in the surrounding towns is because they had to flee from Jerusalem out to the outlying areas of Judea when the persecution uh, had begun after Stephen's stonings. And so there was a group of Christians living in the town of Joppa. And there was a woman there who had recently died. She was said to be full of faith and of good works. Listen to verses 40 and 41. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. What had happened is she had died. And the Christians there were so sad because of... um, all the, the good things that she had done and they were sorry to to, to uh, see her die. They were going to miss her greatly. And so as they are mourning her, these two men went and got Peter and, and had him come in verse 40. But Peter put them all outside the room and he knelt down and prayed. Turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. She opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up, and he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. What's interesting here is this passage mirrors almost word for word Jesus' healing of um, Jairus' daughter when she had died. Um, it's, it's om- like I said, it's almost word for word. And there's only one little letter that is different uh, in Peter's um, in Peter's prayer for her in in verse 41. Then uh, is only only slightly different from Matthew chapter five. Do you remember how Jesus told the disciples they would do greater works than him? That's what Peter is doing. He is doing um, even greater works than Jesus. Now he's doing it through Jesus. He's doing it with Jesus' power. In other words, Jesus is doing it through him. But he is doing the same things that Jesus is doing. And so he's fulfilling Jesus' promise. Now can anyone say that Jesus is withholding anything from Peter if Peter is doing things that are greater than Jesus? Can anyone say that Jesus is withholding his power or his grace from from Peter because of Peter's uh, previous sin? No, you cannot say that at all. 
Um, he's not holding anything uh, because of Peter's past. And I want you to notice, as I get ready to close this sermon, the last verse uh, in, our, in, in Acts chapter 9. And Peter stayed, with Joppa, stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. This Simon is not Simon Peter. This is someone else. He's, he is named Simon. He is a tanner. What is a tanner? A tanner is someone who worked with dead animals, would uh, skin them and then uh, take their, their hides and use them for, for various things. And so when, when uh, I don't know if this is a southern saying, it was so common, I'm tempted to think it was probably used across, across America, but it was so, so common in the south. We would tell, uh, parents would often tell their children, we're going to tan your hide. Well, it didn't mean that, uh, that, that the parents were tanners. Um, a, a completely different meaning altogether. Um, another little saying was, we're going to skin you alive. Same, same thing, uh, talking about a tanner. But uh, that's what tanners would do, is they would, they would take the skins off the animals. And what is so remarkable here is that tanners were detestable to the Israelites. The book of Leviticus says that anyone who touches a dead animal will be ceremonially unclean. But yet, here is Simon Peter living with a tanner. Can you see here how, how secure he is in his forgiveness of sins? That what Jesus, he knows Jesus has made him clean. So there is nothing that is able to make him unclean. He is willing to live in the home of a tanner because he knows that he is clean, that he is righteous, that all of his sins, past, present, and future, have been cast as far as the east is from the west, and they are remembered no more. This is no accident that the Bible says here that he was living with Simon a tanner. In fact, in chapter 10, it mentions it two more times. Peter has learned about the freedom that he has in Jesus Christ. He's learned that his identity in Jesus Christ cannot be soiled, cannot be stolen, cannot be marred in any way. He belongs to Jesus He is free in Jesus. His sins are taken away. What about you? How do you live your life? Are you living your life with the ball and chain of past regrets holding you back? Or are you living in the true and real freedom that you have in Jesus Christ. I've noticed 
when we have regrets, those regrets lead to greater regrets. In Jesus, that cycle can be broken. In Jesus Christ, you are freed from your past regrets to live a new life in Christ. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we thank you for Simon Peter, version 2.0, because in his life, in his freedom, we are better able to see the freedom that we have in Jesus. Father, I pray that you would help us to remember that no one, not friends, relatives, not ourselves, not even Satan himself, is able to bring a charge against those uh, for whom Christ has died. Father, I pray that you would help us to take hold of the freedom we have in Jesus Christ by taking hold of Jesus by faith. Father, send us out into the world to be effective for you, to be bold for you, to run without growing weary. Because Jesus Christ lives us and His Spirit loves us and His Spirit lives inside us. We pray in His name. Amen.